where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to this episode of Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. Today we're going to be reviewing Series 5, Episode 7. Whoa, the time's went so quick. Young Dr. Weinstein. This episode was released on the 13th of November, 1986. And who wrote this one, James? This is written by Fief Sutton. He's a bit of an unfamiliar name there. And the director. Who could the director be? I wonder. James Burroughs? A classic Jimmy B episode. Aren't they mostly all classic Jimmy B episodes? But yeah, this is a good one. I forgot to say I'm John. No, no, I'm James. I nearly forgot to introduce ourselves. But yeah, Young Dr. Weinstein, it's a good episode. I like this one. I guess the best place to start might be the cold open, which revolves around Carla. Yes, and a customer is irritated because he can't read his check. And Carla takes this as an affront to her. Yeah, she has a bit of an outburst. She gets a bit of sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. That's the saying, right? And she uh, she goes berserk at him. We'll play the clip. Well, I'm so sorry if my handwriting isn't up to your high and mighty standards, but some of us don't get to sit around on our buns all day and practice our penmanship. Some of us have to go out and earn a living. After that outburst, the man's wife comes and is like, oh, you left your glasses in the kiss and Carla's face sort of. Becomes a little bit mortified. Carla becomes very apologetic. And out of sort of, I'd say sympathy. The man gives her 10 bucks as a tip. Got a sympathy tip and she went, hey. Yeah. And then then she goes and sort of, again, becomes very uh, apologetic to the next customer who wanted a napkin. Maybe it's a new Carla. Sympathy play. Coach has done it before. Now it's Carla's turn. On with the episode. there's, There's quite a bit going on in this episode. But as we come into the bar, we see Cliff enter and he's celebrating. His, his anniversary of working at the post office. Woody's very impressed. Norm says this calls for a free drink and uh, Cliff should get one as well. And uh, <laughs> Woody suggests that he could whip up one of his own original cocktails. And this is where we find out that Woody is uh, trying, to, trying to make his mark on the world in, in bartending realms. Bit of a bar wizard. He wants to make a Boyd special. Yeah, he want, he's got an ambition to get his name in, I think it's Bartenders Weekly, kind of like a, a bartender's publication. He wants to set the bar, you could say. <laughs> and he starts making quite a few d- different drinks. The first one of which, I believe he calls the Blue Boyd of Happiness. But Norm takes a swig. He says, oh, this is really good. Carla takes a swig and says, oh, congrats, you've made a blue moon. His venture continues as he tries to create a drink which has not been created before. Yeah, which I think is kind of, they, they throw down the gauntlet of it and kind of say it's impossible to make something new. Wow. Let's see how that could plays out through the episodes. It's not impossible to make something new. It's impossible to make something new and tasty. You could put anything in a drink. You just say like some weird combinations at some point. But as we move into the, the main arc of this episode, we find out that Diane is going on a date with none other than Jordan Brundage by Josh Clark. Yeah, so she, she's got a date without Sam. She's just moving on. And uh, Jordan Brundage has got reservations at none other than, not a calf, James, the calf. The cafe. If you put a little sky comma above the E, then it becomes fancy. I'm just saying the calf. <laughs> All right, Danny Dyer. <laughs> I mean, that that's kind of the discussion that's get had. Carla says that the calf can't be that great with such a bad name. Then Fraser and Diane kind of veer on the side of it, you know. It's so simplistic and elegant, it's classy. Which Norm agrees with and says he's, his favourite restaurant is The Eat. Which would you rather go to? The Eat. 
The cafe, then, is one of the trendiest restaurants. Eating there is considered to be rather a coup amongst certain, oh, self-important and pretentious circles. That's a quote from Fraser. But I think there's an underlying sort of... Uh, didn't get in, did he? Didn't get in, that's kind of the thing. There's an underlying resentment of, of Fraser not being able to go there. And uh, the fact that Diane's been able to have reservations there is quite impressive. And I think they've been on quite a long waiting list for the chance to eat there. Months. Which implies that she's either been with this Jordan fellow for months, or Jordan Brundage just has a set reservation and hopes he could find a date. I mean, I assume it's the latter. You're in luck, Diane. I've got a reservation. Wow. Yeah, I have. A, I keep a reservation there every six months. Well, I, I tell you what does happen. This kind of sparks Sam to uh, say, oh, I, I could get a reservation. I'm going to eat there tonight kind of thing. And it becomes a bit of sort of a... Uh, a challenge. And he thinks that his weight as a local celebrity will be able to get him through the door. Even when name dropping himself and, and trying to book a reservation gets nowhere. In fact, actually, he gets a reservation in, I think, it was February or March. So we asked, has Diane been with this Jordan for, for a long time? Or has he just, well, it sounds like there's a five month waiting list because this came out in November, this episode. That's quite the wait. I'll just eat somewhere else. <laughs> Like, unless you're booking it, say, for an anniversary or special occasion, just eat somewhere else. Hungry heifer, eat. Malvils. Yeah, so Sam uh, realises that he's probably not going to be able to get a reservation at uh, the calf in any sort of legitimate way. But he does quite like a low ball move, I think. He calls up the calf and cancels Diane and her date's reservation, which I think is probably what, maybe one of the worst things he's done in a while. Yeah, not cool, Sam. He thinks if he cancels theirs, he'll be able to call back and, and get a reservation, but they, they don't offer the table to him. So I think the calf's quite a sort of snobby place. When he called back, they were like, nah, nah, we said no, Sam. Get out of it. If you were running uh, like a, as a maitre d' uh, at a restaurant and someone called asking for a reservation, you couldn't give them one. And then a minute later, someone calls in a kind of strange voice and cancels their booking. And then the person who originally called calls back and tries to get a booking again. Would you think something suspicious and maybe not cancel the booking? I would think something would be suspicious, but I'd have no way of proving. Yeah, but you just, you just wouldn't cancel the booking or you'd call, call the person up. This is the thing that technology is useful these days because you get notifications, don't you? You get like an email confirmation. Back in these days, not emails. Well, what does happen is uh, after Sam gets rejected, after cancelling uh, Diane's booking, Fraser says that he's got a, a friend in high places who will be able to get Sam a booking. And this is uh, Dr. Julian Weinstein. Fraser gives him a bell. This is what you say as a modern technology. Dr. Weinstein doesn't know who's calling. Hello, Julian. Julian, hi, Fraser Crane. How are you? Crane. C-R-A-M-E. Yes, yes, Dr. Fraser Crane. All right, fine. Uh, listen, I was wondering what you know about... Uh... No, it's A-N-E. Oh, skip it. I'll tell you, you know, you open a few thoraxes, you forget who your friends are. He doesn't seem to remember Fraser very much, and Fraser gets a little bit miffed by that. It's almost like him, him not being able to go in the calf and sort of represents the calf. He, he gets a bit snide. I'm going to say snide with uh, Weinstein. But somehow, Sam manages to worm his way into the cafe. Yeah, so um, Diane and her date show up and are they're told that their reservation's been cancelled. And then there's almost like this red carpet moment where it's like, make way for the young Dr. Julian Weinstein. And uh, Sam walks through, dressed into the nines, pretending to be 
Julian Weinstein. We had quite a farcical episode in a hotel. We compared it a little bit to Fawlty Towers. This feels like a bit of a farcical episode as well. A little bit. Not as much. Not as much. I think there's not as much physical humour, but there is that mistaken identity and false assumptions which happen very often in, in farce. Sam's date is luckily in, in on this lie. He hasn't lied to her as well, which that's something, I think. <laughs> that's a step up. But what unfolds is quite a nice little play out where everyone's very impressed that he, the Dr. Weinstein is there. It's like the calf. And people are asking questions and Sam has to sort of worm his way out of these situations, including other doctors asking him about where he came up with some of his ideas. And he says, uh, on the beach. I thought it was a good one. But you speak of everyone here, fellow doctors, fellow members of high society and Sam's date, Darlene. Should we talk about the guest list at the cafe? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. We've got Christy Summers as Darlene. She also appeared in Aftermath, Charles in Charge, and Full House, among others. Dennis Robertson as Dr. Fisher. He also appeared in Hogan's Heroes, Sanford and the Sun, Bonanza, Mash, Columbo, The Waltons, Three's Company, Newhart, L.A. Law, Magnum P.I., Dallas, and many others. What a repertoire. Barry Laws, which is a great name, as Maitre D., he also appeared in Nuts Landing and Murder, she wrote, but is perhaps well known for his role as Officer Tom Basil in Cagney and Lacey. Joseph Kell as Waiter. He also appeared in The Equalizer, Nuts Landing, St. Elsewhere, 21 Jump Street, Xena Warrior Princess, The Outer Limits, CSI, Grey's Anatomy, Suits, and many more. Julian Barnes as Claude. He also appeared in Knight Rider, Dallas, Murder, she wrote, Mars Attacks. The Young and the Restless, Malcolm in the Middle, Days of Our Lives, and many others. Josh Clark as Jordan, Diane's date. He also appeared in L.A. Law, Newhart, Star Trek The Next Generation, Family Ties, Big, Star Trek Voyager, ER, Desperate Housewives, Modern Family, Grey's Anatomy, and many more. Paul Lukather as Mr. Morton. He also appeared in The Outer Limits, Bonanza, Starskin Hutch, Cagney and Lacey, A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, and many more. Belinda Cordell as Mrs. Morton. She also appeared in Little House on the Prairie, Quantum Leap, The Young and the Restless, and many others. The Mortons are that couple at the start that Carla has an altercation with. Understatement. <laughs> J.J. Wall as Customer. He previously appeared in Season 4, Episode 26, Strange Bedfellows Part 3, as Reporter Number 1. And Al Rosen is uncredited as Al, who stays in the bar and drinks whatever drink Woody comes up with. I would have liked to have seen Al at the calf. <laughs> Just there. <laughs> Just there in like a tuxedo. I know people. I think that would have been, that would have been quite a good little, uh, good little gag. As we're back in the calf talking about it. So we kind of get this kind of Sam seated and he's ready for his meal and he's, he's having a good time. And Diane is in the sort of waiting room. It's interesting you said you'd like to see Al there because I tell you who was there, seen briefly. Phil Perlman. Who's a regular barfly and the father of Rhea Perlman. Up in high society at the cafe as Al chose Cheers because they love Al at Cheers. So you say, if Al was there, he would have said, I know people. And Phil Perlman does know people. He got connections. Yeah, so there's a few things that happen in this setup. And one of them is Diane comes over and kind of, they're quite class dividing setups as well. And Diane comes over and kind of says, easy to fool someone over the phone, but to do it in person is another thing. And she said, basically, your facade's going to crumble. Your facade's going to crumble like an out-of-date biscuit. Sam's done a bit of prep work, and he says that Fraser's helped him know what to order. Yes, because it's in French. Because of course it is. And he has no idea what any of it is. 
Which begs the question, what, why is the calf not called le calf? Le café. Yeah, exactly. That's a good question, John. It's high society there, all the facade. But yeah, so Sam pulls over what he thinks is the waiter and orders in quite fluent French. I think I don't speak French, so I don't know. He says it with... Confidence. Yeah. And when you speak with confidence, you might as well be fluent. Diane kind of uh, scoffles a little bit at him and says, that's the bus boy. As if to say, you're not cultured, Sam. You know nothing of this establishment. It gets a little bit tit for tat. And it's a little bit like child's games where Sam's made this scenario and Diane's not going to let it go. I think they're going to struggle, Sam and Darlene. I think Diane's going to go hungry in the lobby. It's going to be an interesting battle of wits and patience. But back to Cheers. Yeah, back in Cheers, we've revisited Woody and his uh, cocktail making. He's really made a go of it, I suppose, for, for a bar. When one of the bartenders decides that one evening they're just going to mix everything up, you're going to be down in down in in that in your till afterwards, I think, because he's got literally every bottle possible. Everything is out. Reminds me of one day I and you saw me where I drank a a lot, and in the morning I came downstairs and had forgotten what exactly I drank, and I just saw on the table there was salt and limes, and I went, "Oh no!" Then I looked over and every alcohol that we could find, and I mean. Everything. There was Campari, you know, it was just, just littering the, the kitchen. And I just went, oh no. <laughs> I, was, I think I sent a picture of it to some people and they just, did you drink the city dry? There's, <laughs> this is what I mean by just, yeah, mixing two drinks together doesn't necessarily make it a nice cocktail. Yeah, so that's kind of what he does. And he does a lot of trial and error. And uh, you mentioned Al's there just drinking everything that comes out. Norm is as well. And I think Cliff has a sip and Carl is kind of the overall judge. That's what I'd probably say. She she will do the thumbs up or thumbs down on each drink. It sounds like he's made a lot of bad drinks, but he's run out of limes. Oh, yeah. Classic. And he doesn't know where the rest of the limes are, so he has to get in contact with Sam. And this is where we do go back briefly to the restaurant and the phone arrives for Sam and they say, uh, Dr. Weinstein, there's a phone call for you. Sam is very scared. He's like, I, I know nothing of medicine. But they reveal it's a Dr. Woody, which... <laughs> And that's when Sam over the phone says uh, the limes are by the scotch. Uh, tape, this scotch tape. We uh, Sometimes we run out of stitches and have to improvise. Interestingly, Ted Danson went on to play a doctor in another TV show, Becker. There you go. He should have, he should have tried to pretend to be that person. In, in the next episode, Chizzy's going to play um, a demon. A fire squid. Yep. I'll tell you what, whilst we're speaking of that, there was a moment in this episode where I, obviously I don't know Ted Danson, but like from, from what... I can gather he's acting more in Cheers than he does in The Good Place. And I think in The Good Place, he's more Ted Danson than he maybe is in other roles. Are you saying Ted Danson is secretly a fire squid? No, but I think he's got quite like certain mannerisms where he's quite um, articulate with his hands in, in The Good Place. And there's a moment in this episode where I was watching, I was like, that's, that's Michael from The Good Place or Ted Danson coming through. It's Diane rushes into the, the restaurant and says, we need a doctor, we need a doctor. And uh, Sam goes through into the, the sort of lobby area. He says, you're ruining my dinner. Diane goes, ruining your dinner, ruining your dinner. And then Sam goes, everybody now. And he does like a swing. I was like, That's, that feels very much like either Michael as a character or very much Ted Danson coming through at that moment. Yes, he is quite expressive movement of hands. Mm. But meanwhile, in Cheers, while they're coming up with all of these drinks, they found one which none of them can identify as a pre-existing drink. And they were like, yes, just yes. A new drink. And they go, Woody, what drink is that? And he goes, oh, no. 
As he looks at it at his, you know, display of debauchery. All all of everything. Yeah. And that's basically how that ends. Woody almost sobbing because he can't remember what drink he made, which was much like me after my own evenings of debauchery. <laughs> Another uh, recipe lost to the history books, maybe, because it was never written down. When we're back in the restaurant, Sam's finished his meal. Diane's date has left. Jordan Brundage, he's, he's kind of got fed up. Diane's now asleep in the sort of lobby area. Sam and his date are leaving. And Sam talks to the maitre d' and says, can you make sure she gets fed? Yeah, which is nice if a little backhanded. Too little, too late. And Diane finally gets seated in what is an empty restaurant. She tries to order what she wanted. They've sold out. She tries to go for what she second wanted. They've sold out. So she ends up having the only thing available. But Sam joins her, puts his date in a cab and goes back into the restroom. I like where Jordan heads off to, though. Do you remember where Jordan heads off to? Uh, the Colonel. Yeah, he goes to have a bucket of bargains, no doubt. That's what I'd go for. You're telling me we've been in the cafe all this time when there's a nice KFC opposite. <laughs> it can't be that good a restaurant if it's opposite a KFC. It can't be that classy. <laughs> All right, John. <laughs> I want a vineyard opposite my restaurants. So Sam and Diane have, uh, I assume, a lovely meal together. Yes. Sam tells Diane off the bat, I'm not paying for your food, Diane. So Diane pays for her food and then leaves. Yeah, and what Sam forgets is this is his second meal of the evening and he's got no money left. He tries to pay by credit cards and the maitre d' says, this credit card's in the name of Sam Malone. Sam's kind of caught between uh, a hard place and a rock. I'm getting all the sayings out today, James. But what I do like is the last line of this episode is Sam saying, look at the size of that cat and runs. Brilliant line to get out of many situations. Fancy restaurant and he's going, there's a big cat. What? (laughs) (laughs) How'd that get in here? That's the trivia bell, James. That means one thing. We've got some lovely questions to ask each other. I'm going to kick this off. We mentioned right at the start of this episode that Cliff was celebrating the anniversary of his service in the postal service. What year? How long has he been carrying mail for? It's going to be more than five. I'm going to guess seven. It is seven, which I thought was not as long as I would have expected. But he says uh, that he's been carrying that bag around for seven years. And Norm says that he knows the feeling, (laughs) which I think is a bit harsh. That's a ball and chain joke. Yeah. Norm, what are you like? This is something that is... Stated at the, near the start of the episode, when Woody's trying to invent a drink, what is the name of the drink that Jim Sheehan invented? It is a fish house punch, James. I've never had one, and I never think I want one. Because it sounds unpleasant by fish house? It sounds unpleasant. Peach brandy, lemon juice, amber rum, lemon slices. So it's very citric. Yeah. What I do like about this, though, is pretty deep cut, you know, for, for Woody to pull out as like a role model. He's a man of the world, is Woody. <laughs> In this episode, James, uh, I'm going to not only test your memory, but test your French. What does Sam order in the calf? Was it uh, Boucher Pomontier of fromage, which I believe is like a cheese, cheese appetizer, like an amuse-bouche type thing, followed by a salade mozan, house salad, and for entree, tortefeuille d'anglais rabelais, which means cold tart of... Dangil Rabelais, I think, is a, a person. A cold tart specialty from this person or a place. I, I, I don't, I don't recognise it as a French word, but it sounds like a, a name. Was that right? Yeah, that was bang on, James. And the French and the memory test passed both of them. 
yeah, if if you were there and you saw a menu in French, what would you do? Or would you just go, ah, I know this word. I think I'd look for pictures or I'd just uh, go to the Colonel's, the KFC opposite. What is Dr. Weinstein's nickname? I don't know. It's the Heart Transplant Wizard. It's not a particularly catchy nickname. <laughs> it's to his friends. <laughs> <laughs> We've got an exciting one here. John, less of a question, but more of a, a game. While Woody's coming up with different drinks, he says a list of ingredients and they come back saying what that actually is. So the game is, if I list the ingredients, can you tell me the name of the drink? We'll give it a go. Whiskey, vermouth and bitters. That sounds like a, a Rob Roy to me. I'll tell you what, you're pretty close. It's apparently a paddy cocktail. Here's another one. Gin, vermouth and grapefruit juice. A grapefruit martini. You know what, it probably should be called that, but apparently it's called a Palm Beach. Oh, that, that's a nicer name than what I said. Now here's another one, and drink is a bit of a stretch for the, for the name of this, but what is gin, vermouth and black coffee? Oh, is this, is this an espresso martini? Apparently it's paint remover, according to Norm. Oh. You're partial to an espresso martini? I like an espresso martini. I was with um, friends in well, in Reading, and I don't know how many we had. But the the problem with is that they, they get you drunk, but they also get you sort of quite uh, energetic, so you don't sleep. There were two for ten pound. We just kept having them. But do you know the the worst part? Like I say, the worst part, the best part. The next morning, we went back and had more. <laughs> it was the same bartender. We were back at like ten a.m. having them again. Better times. Have you ever made any drinks up, James? I made many drinks. I don't think I've invented any new ones. We had a tradition at uni, me and my friend. We had a, we called it a Hug Me Brother after Drake and Josh. In Drake and Josh, they would mix a root beer and something else, mix them half and half. So we would um, get sour shots. We'd go to the bar, get two sour shots, just say dealer's choice. So we'd just get random flavours and uh, you sort of mix them by sharing the, the two glasses and they're called a Hug Me Brother. That sounds like a risk. Well, it's not too bad because like all of the sours are mostly just sugar and they're a shot. So it was just mixing sugar and sugar. Well, that's the last call at the bar, James. I mean, there's a lot of options for drinks this episode. But what, how are you feeling for the house special? Maybe a tasty blue boyd of happiness. Yeah, forget the blue moon. From now on, blue boyd of happiness. But uh, if, if you yourself want to try and make a, a blue boyd of happiness, why not check out our Patreon where we'll be putting out newsletters, which include some recipes from our house specials. And I think this month we might be including that blue boy of happiness. And also on our Patreon, we've got lots of other tiers that you should check out if you're, if you're interested in getting more cheers content. But meanwhile, let's raise our blue boy of happiness and uh, toast this episode, James. What do you think we should toast to? Just food in general. It's a very foody episode. And you know how I like food. Story was about food. The other one was about drink. Your trivial pursuit card of food and drink. But I think one of the interesting things that tying it all in with food and drink, it comes out with legacy. I think that's one of the big undertones of this one. Legacy and class. And that sort of divide. Woody's trying to get his name in the books. Sam's trying to get his way into, into a classy restaurant. At the end of the day, I think everyone would just be happy with it. Bargain bucket from KFC. I'm going to raise this blue boy of happiness. Because that legacy will live on. That was the best drink of the episode, I think. And say, here's to the colonel. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a Cheers podcast. Mm-hmm.